Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to episode 195 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, this week we are joined by author Danielle Lincoln Hanna. She is here today to discuss her Mailboat series, and uh, specifically we're going to be hearing from uh, book one of that series, The End of the Pier. Uh, along the way, Danielle and I are discussing the joys of journaling and writing longhand. Uh, we're going to find out what is a mail jumper, and during the reading you're going to ha- find out what a UFO is. And it's not what you think, so you're going to have to listen for that. <laughs> and and then we're also talking about getting to know your characters and what happens with them when you throw a situation at them, such as, yeah, what if they find a body? All that and so much more uh, coming up very soon. It's a wonderful chat, lots of laughs, and uh, you're going to love it. And uh, I, I cannot wait to get you over to that. That's coming up here in just a few moments. So don't go anywhere. First off, I want to thank everyone who came out to see me at uh, at Bergfest over the weekend. That was the annual festival street fair here in Warrensburg, Missouri. And I had a booth there Friday night and then all day Saturday. Did fantastic. you know. And I'm going to be real here for a moment. As an author and, uh, and host of this show, I honestly, I was just kind of thinking like, okay, if I just sell like five books over the two days, I'll be really happy because... Then I, you know, I break even with the cost of the, uh, the cost of the booth space and, uh, no problem, no big deal. I even put my books on sale so that way I could, uh, you know, help people out. Cause I'm not looking to make a ton of money or anything like that. I just want to entertain people. Lo and behold, I sold out actually of <laughs> nine mile bridge. It went quick. Um, and I sold a bunch of copies, uh, also of novel idea I had flyers made up for the upcoming Bandit series, the Bandit Chronicles, and people were grabbing those up and just, you know, talking to me about it and hearing all about it, handed a whole bunch of those. So it was, it was a resounding success. I, I'm literally blown away with the reception. And again, thank you everyone who came by and stopped by the booth and checked it out. If, uh, if you're one of those people, that's uh, listening to this right now, maybe you're catching this as your first episode, then thank you. I really appreciate you stopping by. And, uh, you know, today I, I know you're going to hear another book that you're going to want to add to your library in uh, in Danielle Lincoln Hanna. And also on, uh, I think it was Saturday while I was there, I learned about another festival coming up in mid, uh, mid to late November that I'm considering doing. And uh, once I get set up for that, if I do set up for that, I will uh, definitely let everyone here on the show know, so that way you'll know where to look for me and where to come and attend. But yeah, it, it was so much fun. I had a blast. Uh, it did rain a little bit, but we stayed dry. We had a we had a pop-up, and my wife and I actually ran out the first night and uh, got some tarps to use as walls for the, uh, for the pop-up after that for Saturday, which it did rain again, but it was fine. We were, we were prepared, and uh, it was, it was a blast. We had a really good time, so. Well, hey, make sure you get over to our social media so that, that way you know you get to see the, the pictures that I've shared from the event and um, you can check all that out. It's very easy. It's just Sample Chapter Podcast, whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. 
Uh, that's the three social medias that we are on. Now, if you're not a social media person, uh, unfortunately, I don't have another way to share the photos with you. <laughs> but you can reach out to the show via email, and that is samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can give me a call at 660-851-1146, just like this person did. Dude! This is Christina Etter from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and author of Life's Too Short for Dull Razors. I got to be on your show last uh, November, and I just got to listen to Brian Peterson's Paper Doll, and love that because you brought out handwriting, and interestingly, that is how my most recent book that got published, Knee Deep, was done is from handwriting letters basically to God, Creator, Jesus, Lord, whatever. So that's how Knee Deep had gotten started is handwritten letters. And for you to bring that up about how you and your wife do that really, really touched me. And congratulations on the 80s sci-fi that you have coming up. I'm excited to read that especially if you incorporate some of that good 80s music in there as well. So I just wanted to let you know it was so good to just stay connected uh, through your podcast so I get to listen to probably about once a month I get on there and enjoy that. don't know if you've gotten a chance to talk to Chris Woods, W-O-O-D-S. He's an author, and he's also a Comic-Con, and he does this amazing series called Soul Guard. I would love to see that turned into a movie. So just cheering you on from Oak Ridge, Tennessee, and believing in the best of everything that you've got to offer our world. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Christina, that was amazing. Thank you so much for calling in and leaving me that message. I, it was incredible. <laughs> it really made my day when I got that, too. Well, hey, uh, everyone. So, again, as you heard, that was Christina Etter. She was with the show back on Author of Life's Too Short for Dull Razors, Cheap Pens, and Worn Out Underwear. It's episode 151 back in November of 2020, almost a year ago. And so happy to hear that she's doing well uh, as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm going to also check out her recommendation of uh, Chris Woods. So thank you again. And uh, so there you go, listeners. If you call in, there's a very good chance that that call is going to end up on the... Uh, on an upcoming episode, so that way everyone gets to hear it and uh, hear what you want to say. And not that I think everyone's going to say something as as sweet as Christina did, but uh, gosh, that sure did make my day. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I want to thank our podcast friends, uh, starting with Pop Goes the Culture Network, uh, home to about half a dozen pop culture related shows, just as the name says. So yeah, that means every show on there, they are somehow related to pop culture, whether they're doing movie reviews, talking about celebrity news and gossip, or reviewing movies. Make sure you go over and check out one of my favorites, which is the Alamo Drafthouse Backlot. Uh, that's a fun show, and it's it's actually just uh, the manager and, and a couple of people from Alamo Drafthouse in Springfield, Missouri, having a chat about the uh, weekly movies. Also want to give a shout out to uh, my friends from the old Project Entertainment Network, which is no longer. Uh, they're in the midst of a merger right now, and it looks like our show will be a part of this merger. But until I get the final details, uh, I, I can't really speak any more of that. But meanwhile, all of those old shows in there are fantastic. Uh, they, it was a you know that network was home to at one time almost 40 shows. 
but by the end of it, there was something, it was just under 30, I think. And, uh, but one of them I invite you to go check out still that's a lot of fun is Your New Opinion. And, you know, these guys can describe it a lot better than I can. <laughs> Are you so tired of having your own thoughts? Are you just totally exhausted having your own beliefs on every single thing in the entire world? Well, don't worry. Here at Your New Opinion, we do the thinking for you. Join Ryan, Nick, and Ben as the boys debate topics that we probably know nothing about using every dirty trick they can think of to win. Everything from if net neutrality is good or bad, to cake versus pie, to who killed JFK. So if you're looking to never have your own thoughts again, check out your new opinion every Friday. All right, thank you guys, and uh, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely stay in touch with uh, many of my friends from over there at the old Project Entertainment Network group. A uh, bunch of great people there, and uh, just you know I, I wish uh, all of them I wish all of them the very best. Uh, the ones who who may or may not be a part of the new network, and uh, yeah, I just that's all. I wish them all the best. Well, hey, let me thank our sponsors, uh, starting with an affiliate of the show, Writer's Block Coffee. With three incredible flavors, the Writer's Block Signature Blend, uh, there is the Deadline Dark, and then my personal favorite, the Whiskey Barrel Aged Coffee. You can order one at a time or set up auto ship so that you never run out. Hey, click that link in the show notes to get on over to our link, our special affiliate link for it. And uh, when you check out, don't forget that uh, the coupon code is in there called Sample Chapter. And uh, that saves you 10%. And uh, by using that as an affiliate, we get a little something that helps provide for the show, uh, the expenses around here. And finally, I want to thank my favorite writing software and longtime sponsor of the show, Scrivener. Uh, Scrivener has been with me for quite a while now, and uh, we're hoping to extend that. We're going to be uh, working on that this month. But uh, meanwhile, I'm more than happy to tout my love for them because, I mean, it's just such an incredible product. And uh, everything that it has done for me as I work on Bandit Chronicles and work on a series, and then the ability to move things from one, not just one chapter to another, or, you know, switch them around, but also from book to book. Incredible stuff. Check out this advertisement and, and learn how you can save 20%. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now, I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard. You can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener writing software, built by writers for writers. All right. Well, thank you once again to Scrivener and uh, all of my podcast friends and affiliate. But that is all for now. It's time to get on over to our interview with the lovely Danielle Lincoln Hanna and hear about her Mailboat Suspense series. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to another exciting episode. Yes, I know. 
every episode is exciting because every one of my guests are exciting. And today is no exception. Uh, we are here today talking with Danielle Lincoln Hanna. Uh, Danielle is the author of the Mailboat Suspense series set in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Uh, she lives in the Rocky Mountains of Montana, but the books are set in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Uh, when she is not writing, you can find her hiking with her boyfriend, Charles, adventuring with her German shepherd, Angel, and avoiding surprise attacks from her cat, Fergus. <laughs> Danielle, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Oh, uh, the pleasure is all mine. I am I am delighted to meet you, and uh, I cannot wait to learn more about you and and uh, these these wonderful mysteries that you've got. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been quite a fun ride, quite a journey. I am loving every minute of it, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Now you are. Let's see here. You are originally from the uh, North Dakota area. Where where That's about correct. North Dakota? Uh, I grew up near Bismarck, so right okay. in the middle of the capital city. Yeah, okay. I've been through there several times. Spent... That is what everyone says about North Dakota. <laughs> One day I'm going to write a memoir and it's just going to be called I've Been Through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we uh we lived in Minot for 5 years. Oh, uh, you've been you've been through a little bit more than most then. Okay. <laughs> yep. So we uh we would pass through Bismarck all the way on our, on our way back and forth to Missouri. So yeah, and I think nice. we even stopped there once or twice to uh stay the night. So look nice. It's a, it's a pretty nice city. I, I like it. Yeah. So now the now your books though they take place in Wisconsin. Now where how does that fit in? <laughs> I, I do get asked this all the time. People are like, so you're from North Dakota, you live in Montana now, but you're writing books about Wisconsin. <laughs> and <laughs> so what I tell people, I love writing about unique things. I also love travel. And uh, many years ago, at this point, I, I heard about this boat out in Wisconsin that delivers the mail house to house around a lake um, by means of kids who jump on and off the boat to put the mail in those boxes. And I was absolutely fascinated. It scratched that itch of unique things. It scratched that itch of travel. And I just, I kind of just went for it. And it's been what I've been doing now for close to 10 years. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's incredible. Yep. <laughs> So that reminds me of uh, when I lived in Alaska for several years and you'd hear about the sourdough pilots who mm. had a similar job. They would fly around to these guys who live yeah. way out in the uh, the boonies of, of Alaska. And the only way you can get there is by plane or by boat. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There's there's a few places left in, in the country where um, like the only way to get the mail to a certain community might be, for instance, by boat. What makes the Lake Geneva mail boat extra unique is the fact that they do deliver house to house and it is a tour. You can buy a ticket and go along and watch these people jumping off the boat to put the mail in the boxes and the boat never stops. So they have to be very fast or they could have an unexpected shower. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is just fun and unique and I love it. Oh my gosh. Now, have you been on one of these tours? I have uh, many times. I can almost recite it now. <laughs> um, sounds incredible yeah back in um 2014 when I kind of decided okay I'm gonna make this my front burner project I'm gonna work on this um I contacted the Lake Geneva Cruise Line company and I told them what I was working on and I said is there any way I could show up and like job shadow you guys for a few days and they were like yeah sure come on over so um I did get a wonderful behind the scenes tour um, 
at the end of which I, I asked if I could try male jumping and they said, sure. And that was very exciting. I forgot to stop and asked if I might be any good at it, but it turns out I was, which shocked me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it was amazing. It was great. So yeah, I've, I've tried not only the tour, but also male jumping in itself. It was wonderful. Oh my gosh. That would be, that, that might actually be kind of fun. It would be interesting to try out. It is. It's, <clears throat> it's shockingly harder than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, that boat, it just keeps moving and you got to account for the momentum. Mm-hmm. We've got the 60 ton boat carries, what is it? Like 150 passengers, I want to say. And that much momentum, it, it, it will fling your tiny body far and you've got to be careful. <laughs> Or you're just going to go straight over the edge. You're going to end up in the water. Um, so, yeah. And then getting back on is strangely intimidating because you're, you're standing now on a stationary dock and this large boat is just, you know, just sliding by you. And it's like, oh, my God, I can't focus on anything. And there's about three to four feet of open water between you and this boat. You just got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you- it was. I was shaking when I got back on the boat and I was like, I, I did not realize how hard that was going to be. <laughs> oh my gosh. You make it sound so fun. And yet, <laughs> and yet here's the, the tagline for mailboat one is a teen without a family, a town with a dark history and a body in the lake. Now, how do you go from this like, like fun job to something so dark? How does that happen? Oh, Jason, I have a dark, dark mind. <laughs> <laughs> My, my boyfriend refers to my books as cozy thriller <laughs> because it, 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 you almost feel like you're about to have maybe this sweet, cozy mystery set up because it's, it's got the adorable little tourist town on this really idyllic setting. And then it just kind of gets dark from there. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know when I, when I first, um, heard about this, this mailboat and saw a video of what they were doing. I, like I said, I was fascinated. I was quote unquote, totally on board. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my first question was, where am I going to put the body? And I was like, well, that's obvious. I mean, the risk of male jumping is falling in. The only thing that could possibly make that worse is if you fall in and find a body. <laughs> <laughs> so that was just a natural fit. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I love doing this, this uh, self-imposed job of mine of talking to other authors and then hearing <laughs> where our minds similarly, very similarly, where our minds go in the most mundane things. It was like, <laughs> Ooh, where would I hide the body? And it's yes. just, it's amazing how many Always times I hear question. that. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter where you are, look around and ask yourself, what is the best place to put a body? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder sometimes if, if, uh, authors like ourselves really stand out in the crowd. Like we think we're just like the eyebrows raised and we're looking at this and we're like, Oh yeah. And we're like, but we think we're like, no, nobody knows it. I think people may know. Funny story. No, I don't think they do know because here's a funny story. Um, I've been to a writer's conference that's called the writer's police Academy. I highly recommend it. It is phenomenal. Um, Ironically also in Wisconsin these days, they've been around several different places, but I think they've returned to Wisconsin now. Uh, the Writers Police Academy, in which um, a group of writers take over a police academy and kind of follow along for uh, a few days and go through some of the exact same training that police officers go through. And I remember um, 
one of the times that I went, we had this lovely banquet dinner towards the end. And we had, um, I think it was the, um, the person who ran the police academy. It was his first time hosting it. And he was sitting at a table of mystery, suspense, and thriller authors and answering their questions for them. And then when he gave his speech to the banquet hall, he said, you know, I like to tell people that our police academy is the safest place you will ever be. Tonight, I'm not so sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, we had asked some very random and disturbing questions. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's uh, aside from serial killers, I'd say authors are the next best source to find out where to hide the body. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So now your uh, your main protagonist Bailey is uh, she is the uh, the who we're following through these books. Now is she is this her job to work the boat or how, yep. where does Bailey come in? Yep, exactly. She it um, it was her dream to become a male jumper in Lake Geneva. Um, I've been told to be male jumper is even more important than being homecoming king or homecoming queen Mm. and so she was like oh i would really love to be a male jumper and um i actually uh in 2020 released a prequel novella that tells the story of how she became a male jumper that was a fun little fun little story to write um but in in book one uh she is she's a male jumper she's kind of living that dream as she says it's the first cool thing that's ever happened to her (laughs) um and her, her backstory is that she is a teen girl in foster care and her life has never been stable or predictable or reliable. And here she's got this job on this boat that's been delivering the mail for over a hundred years, year after year, just still delivering the mail like they've been doing. And the person she's working with, the captain of the boat has been driving it for close to 50 years. And so for her, this is like such a dream on so many levels because this has become that stable, reliable, trustworthy environment like she's never had before. Mm-hmm. So that's a big, big, huge part of the story. Oh, my goodness. So, mm-hmm. and it sounds like then, I guess, in each book, we're going to get to kind of peel back another layer and learn more about her as, yep. as we go. Yeah. And not only that, but it is, um, it's a uh, more and more of a unique format for mystery you know normally you pick the mystery novel and the mystery concludes by the end and um for better or worse my concept for the story was so vast that every book you learn more about the mystery and maybe you learn a few things but the the overall mystery itself is not yet solved and it's going to take the entire series before we fully understand who done it and why oh that's fascinating yeah, my, my readers both love and hate me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's, my that's gosh. Fun. oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, from what I can tell here, so you've got four so far, plus uh, plus the uh, novella. That's correct. Uh, the prequel. Yep. So, oh, my gosh. Do you have an idea of uh, how many this series will be? According to my latest outlines, it should be eight-ish books, but I'm also famously bad at knowing how much story equates to how much books. So, you know, don't, don't <laughs> rely on that statement. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see when we get there, but there is an ending and I know what it is. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Now, when you, when you do your writing, is that, um, <clears throat> you, you said, you know, the ending, is that kind of like one of the first things that comes to you or was it the idea or uh, how how do you go about building this mystery 
Sure. Um, for me, it's all about the characters. Um, I have learned that I have absolutely no control over them. And anytime I try to assert control over them, they just clam up and nothing happens. So <laughs> I'm very much just along for the ride. I do sometimes refer to myself as a biographer of fictional people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's really just, if I know the characters, I know the story. It's as simple as that. So it's just getting to know who they are, what they're like, and then kind of like throwing a scenario at them. For me, that was, you know, oh, we've got this teenage male jumper. Let's throw a dead body at her and see what happens. And I also love making their lives very interconnected. So it's very much that if you pull one thread, you pull them all. So basically, once I've got that first incident, it's just a matter of watching the ripple effect and seeing what all happens. So, mm. yeah, mm -hmm. that's, that's kind of how the story comes about. And because of that, I usually know the beginning of the story with more clarity than I know the end. So like while I know generally where I'm going, um, the specifics I'm certainly discovering along the way, which is great because it helps keep the writing interesting while I'm going. Oh gosh, yes, I I agree with you completely on that. It's, and I think I write in very much the same way. Where it's I, mm. I got to tool around with the characters for a little bit and some of the story and just kind of see if I even have is, is this something I'm really going to be able to write. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, after a while, when it's just a, I'm obsessed and that's all I can think about, then I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah let's let's go into this. Totally. <laughs> so, yeah, but I, but I don't want to know everything either. I just like, yeah, I, I think I know how I want this to end, but mm -hmm. I don't know how I'm going to get there. So let's see. Let's just dive in. Yep. Exactly. Find out. <clears throat> yep. Yeah. People ask me if I'm a plotter or a pantser, meaning do I write by the seat of my pants? I, I feel like I'm kind of hybrid. Because mm -hmm. um, like, you know, I, I know generally what's going to happen, but not specifically. So it's kind of yeah. both. Now I'm experiencing this part of it for the first time, which is how does that work with a series? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I call it a trust exercise. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's been many times when I've put something in a book that I'm quite sure will have effects on a later book that I'm not quite sure how or what. And I'm, I just, I just shrug and I say, well, it's canon now. So I have to work with it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I have, uh, although I'm still very much writing by the seat of my pants and I, I, I know what I want the rest of the books of the series to be like, I'm learning the value of having like a, a Bible on the mm. side of, of notes and remembering like, oh, wait, how did I spell their name? Because I realized I've spelled mm. three different ways Yep. and I got to go back and fix things like that. And the, the fun joys of uh, writing a series. Oh my, it's, it's real. I wish I had a series Bible. I regret that I haven't, like, I didn't start one when I wrote book one, and I definitely should have. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think my, the only thing that saves me is that when I realize I have to look something up and see what I said before, I can almost always remember what book it was in and what chapter it was in and roughly what part of the scene it was in. <laughs> oh, nice. And which is hilarious because I've just realized that I have I have a terrible memory for just about everything except for my stories. Hmm. So I think I think I have devoted so much of my brain space to just remembering what I've written and what I'm going to write, and it's tied up everything. And do I remember other more important day to day things? Definitely not. I have to write it all <laughs> down, or it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can relate to that. 
my my wife teases me constantly that I can remember a line from a movie from 25 years ago or what I'm writing, but I cannot remember what time she asked me to have dinner ready by. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes those fictional worlds are just more important, you know? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Dinner dinner can wait. Well, now, aside from the uh, the series, you've also got a few other books here. Uh, the Fugitive. What What is this about? That one. What did start that one? That was a while ago. I think I just wrote it for fun. And that one um, is actually flash fiction. So it's extremely short. It is oh. it is about the length of a chapter. And yeah, it's um, it's it's the story of a kid who's trying to run away on a train. And we're not sure why, but it all kind of comes clear as this very, very brief story wraps up. And that is um, one of the very, very few times in my life that I succeeded at writing something short. (laughs) Okay. I definitely think in terms of long and grandiose. So that was fun to actually write something so short and have it work and come together. And uh, I don't really, um, I don't actively market it because it is so short. And those few people who have read it have written back to me and, and said, that was great. When's the rest of it coming out? And I'm like, no, nope, that was it. That was a complete story right there. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but it was super, super fun. And I am fond of that one. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Well, And then you've got a nonfiction book here too on journaling to become a better writer, seven keys to more authentic fiction. Fantastic. Now, uh, where did, uh, I'm guessing that this comes from real life. Are you a journaler? Yes. Yeah, I've I have done a lot of journaling over the course of my life and I and I still do. Basically anytime I have a problem that I cannot solve, I sit down and journal and through the act of writing, I tend to come arrive at my answers. Um, but let me think I started my journal when I was ridiculously young. I want to say I might have had my first diary when I was like 5 or 6 years old. Mm. And so over the course of of journaling for that long and I would I would write about things that happened in my life and people I had gotten to know and I would literally write it almost in a story format where I was literally like um, with dialogue and action (laughs) 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 and and just writing what happened and eventually I realized that that was one of my major training grounds for how to improve my writing I was literally watching life as I was living it and then sitting down and writing about it. And people ask me today, like they feel that my characters are, they're so alive and they feel so authentic. Mm-hmm. I've had, I had another interviewer ask me, he's like, I, I understand how you could write a teenage girl so effectively because you've probably been a teenage girl at in some point of your life. <laughs> but how did you write like this, this 75 year old boat captain? And he feels so real. And my interviewer was, you know, an older gentleman. So mm-hmm. he felt, you know, it really vibrated with him. And my only answer is that I just, I watch people <laughs> yeah. and, and, you know, and I journaled a lot and, and wrote about people and just tried my best to put them, to present them on paper the way I, I was perceiving them in real life. So I think that that did a lot to help with my writing. Okay. And I'm guessing, and I think you already said, you may have already said this, but I'm guessing that this is all handwriting uh, that you're doing for the journal. I do. I do write by hand. Um, I was at some point in the mailboat suspense series, I was trying to convert to 
writing via typing mm -hmm. um, under the assumption that it would be faster, I have found out that was a massive mistake <laughs> because um, when I write by hand, yes, it takes longer to like write a chapter out. However, I have to write fewer drafts because it comes so much closer to what it is I'm, I'm trying to say. Mm. So I found out that just by slowing down the physical process of getting those words down, it actually makes the whole process more efficient. And I am much happier with the end result as well. Like if I'm typing it, it might take up to 20 drafts to get something oh, that I'm like, yeah. okay, I'm pretty happy with this. If I handwrite it, it's probably more like if there's no major changes to the scene, like, oh, wait, I'm changing a plot point or something. I can have it down in about two drafts. There's one chapter in Mailboat 4 that I wrote in a single draft and only changed like a couple words afterwards. And like, I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Handwriting is where it's at. <laughs> wow. You know, and there's something fitting about that seems to go along with the series. I mean, you're, you're, you've got somebody delivering the mail and, and <laughs> then you're handwriting out the, the book. <laughs> it, it seems to fit along with it. It's just a, a romantic little note with it, it seems like. That is actually a very good observation. I hadn't thought of that. But yes, it is more like letter writing than email writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because it, it kind of, it's like, wait, wait a minute, people are still delivering mail? Why not just yeah. email the bill or the, the letter from grandma or something like that? Exactly. But uh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. I The one hang up I was having with handwriting, or really the two, it, it takes a while to transcribe all of that material. So mm -hmm. that was, that was slowing me down a bit and I was having trouble with that. I was like, ah, I could be, you know, writing the next chapter and instead I'm transcribing. And the other thing was that, you know, how they tell you, you've got to back up your work. You need to have at least like three backups of your work at all times, mm -hmm. just in case um, technology fails you, your house burns down. You know, you hear about these horrible things where someone worked really hard to write something and then lost it. And that's in some case years worth of work, you know? Yeah. So my problem was that there would sometimes be a day or maybe up to a long weekend where I had handwritten a chapter and I liked how it turned out. And it was just sitting there on a piece of paper. And I was, of course, a little bit terrified that something would happen <laughs> to it in those few days. <laughs> because I do, I do like my first attempt at a, a chapter way better than a second attempt if I do lose it. So oh, yeah. these were these were two challenges I was facing. And so this year I was doing a lot of research being like, I really, really want something that some, some sort of technology that can turn my handwriting into typed text. And um, there's not a lot of options available yet, but there are a few. And the one uh, that really intrigued me was a tablet called the Remarkable. Um, and it's, it is strictly meant for handwriting you can't get onto the internet with it other than to to send your writing somewhere mm. um you can read ebooks on it but it, it's very focused on this is for reading and writing and that's it and because of that they worked very hard on their technology to convert your handwriting into text and i watched some demos of it i was really impressed it had way fewer errors than any other system that i was able to find oh, nice. and i was like okay and because I also have very good handwriting and I'm also very good at finding typos and little incorrect and inconsistencies like that. Um, I was like, I think this may work out really well for me. So I bought one uh, about a month ago and I have completely fallen in love with it. It is doing a great job at transcribing my writing. It's doing a great job 
at making sure that it's uploaded to the cloud. So I'm like, this, this answered a lot of problems for me. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. Oh my it's gosh. Great. It is great. I'm, I'm very much enjoying it. Oh I, yeah. I bet so. I bet so. That's fascinating. And, and what was that called again? Uh, the remarkable. Okay. Yep. All right. I may have to check that out. So yeah, if you find I've, yourself writing a lot by hand, it's pretty dang cool. <laughs> I've learned for myself that uh, when I'm doing my first drafts, I will, uh, as odd as it sounds, as odd as it sounds, I'm doing my first drafts on my tablet or on my phone, just to keep away mm -hmm. from the internet. Um, even though I need the internet so that it's backed up to Dropbox. So mm -hmm. I have it on Scrivener, wherever, wherever I'm going. But I will just fly through it on on those because I don't I don't do a lot of surfing or I don't yeah. have that many apps or other things popping up and distracting me. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, and then once I'm done, then everything else, all the most of the editing gets done on my laptop, and and then yep. it's like, oh, let me edit a little bit, and oh, what's this over here? Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And and definitely like once it's handwritten, it goes into Scrivener. I do love using Scrivener. Amen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now what's, uh, so what's next for you? Do you have aspirations for, uh, for any other series or uh, any other ideas floating around? Yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of other story ideas that are floating around and knocking on the door being like, you know, you done yet? You done yet? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I, I am a very slow writer in general. Um, not, you know, I've tried many different things to become a faster writer and maybe put out like two books a year or something. And that's, that's just not happened. So I'm, <laughs> I've kind of accepted that. Okay. You know, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna decide to write something, I better be very sure about it because I will be working on it for years. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I've, I, I've got another, like I said, four ish books to write in the mailboat suspense series. And I definitely prioritize those because my fans do hold me at gunpoint until the next book comes sure, out. Sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, there are other ideas knocking around. There's another um, suspense series that I have thought of that I think the fans will enjoy because it will have a very similar feel. But I do think I might end up going a little bit more international with it, a little bit more uh, thriller adventure, maybe even some spy stuff going on, something along mm. those lines. And that's a story that's been knocking around in my head since I was 13 or 14 years old. So, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that wow. one needs to see the light of day at some point. <laughs> well, I wonder, is there any way that people can find and follow you and learn about these these uh, future books and new series? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's my website, which is daniellelincolnhanna.com. Danielle and Lincoln are spelt the usual way, or I should say the most the most classical way. Um, Hannah is spelled H-A-N-N-A. -N -N -A. You're going to want to put another H on the end, but just don't. It will not get you <laughs> the right place. <laughs> Actually, no, I think I own the other version too. I just haven't set up the redirect link. But anyway, <laughs> daniellelincolnhanna.com is kind of my hub. Um, that's where um, you can get autographed copies of my books. I do sell them through my online store. You can also sign up for my newsletter. I try to send that out once a week-ish and talk about what I'm writing, how progress is coming along. Again, that keeps people from shooting me while they wait. <laughs> uh, <laughs> try to write about uh, some, I try to keep it inspirational, stuff I'm learning about life while I'm living life, things like that. Mm -hmm. Or just fun things I've done, you know, going to Glacier Park with my boyfriend or 
something funny the fur kids did, you know, stuff like that. So yeah. those are those are some good ways. And then I'm also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Um, it's usually either Daniel Hannah Lincoln. Messed up my own name, Daniel Lincoln Hannah, <laughs> or DL Hannah. And I'm forgetting right now which one is which. But yeah, I'm in there somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll make it easy, everyone. You know, I'm gonna have the links in the show notes so that <clears throat> whenever you're, you're done listening, so organized. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll have that. Well, you know, you you have a wonderful person helping you out, and she already sent me the link. So all I gotta do now is copy and paste into the show notes. It's and brilliant. So. <laughs> I don't even have to know my own social media tags. <laughs> <laughs> oh my Thank God. Thank you, Susan. <laughs> Thank you, Susan. Yes, absolutely. Making both our lives easier. So easy. Mm-hmm. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much. This has been a delight getting to talk to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, everyone, that means it's time for me to step aside with my writer's block coffee. Haha. <laughs> yes, sponsor of the show. And we're going to listen to a sample chapter from book one of the Mailboat series, The End of the Pier. Mailboat, The End of the Pier, Chapter One, Bailey. So, okay, maybe three miles per hour doesn't sound fast, but when you're hanging off the side of a tour boat, gripping a handful of mail, trying to jump onto a three foot wide pier, all of a sudden, three miles per hour is like really fast. Then whirling around and flinging yourself at the boat again before it's gone. I'm just saying it takes guts which is something I don't have. So I truly don't know how I turned out to be so good at this whole male jumping thing, but it totally rocks. And all the kids at school know it. They're jealous of me, Bailey Johnson. This is pretty much the only lucky thing that's ever happened in my life. I could have spent my summer flipping burgers or peddling souvenirs, but I'm not. I'm a male jumper. Captain Tomlin, or Tommy to pretty much everybody on the planet, touched the helm without taking his eyes off the lake. I had a ton of respect for a guy who could steer a two-deck tour boat within three feet of a pier. Watch your step out there, he said. This one gets slick when it's wet, so don't slip. I bit my lips together, trying really hard not to smile. It had rained last night. I could see from myself the pier was wet. The winter hadn't been so long that I'd forgotten how embarrassing it was to land on your bum. But... That was one of the things I liked about Tommy. Always keeping an eye on the hazards for me. I have no clue how I survived nine months of torture, aka sophomore year, without him. Like the high heels fiasco at prom and a million other embarrassing school newspaper headlines. All those times I spent curled up in a stall in the girls' room, crying my heart out. For some reason, my thoughts would wander to the mailboat and glittering summer days on the lake and Tommy standing at the helm. I was pretty sure he was the only person in the world who gave a rip about my pathetic life. Or so I like to dream. On the other hand, maybe he just didn't want me to throw off the schedule by missing the boat. He did run a pretty tight ship. Tommy pulled back on the two levers beside the helm and slowed the boat down. He squinted at the water. I don't know how close I can get, Bailey. There's something down there. I squinted at the upcoming pier. On a calm day, you can make out every front of lakeweed, but last night's rain had stirred up whatever muck secretly hid in its depths, and with steady clouds drifting in front of the sun, all I could tell was that something had lost its battle with the flotation at the bottom of the nearest pier post. 
In and out? I asked. On tricky piers, Tommy sometimes nosed in and pulled the boat to a stop instead of cruising past lengthwise. In the grand scheme of things, it was actually harder that way since stopping a great big boat full of 150 people was like stopping a herd of charging rhinoceros. Nah, we'll make it, but we'll have to let Markham know he's got some sort of debris at the end of his pier. I swung my other leg out onto the rub board. Tommy says it was custom built extra wide just for the male jumpers. And I'm like, yeah, right. Eight inches. That's all the space I have to work with. And there I am hanging onto the handrail, waves rolling off the prow and churning beneath my feet. A skinny little pier coming at me and spindly posts offering to skewer me if I don't time my jump right. And P.S. Don't drop the mail. I leaned out as the target came within range. This was going to be a big jump. Tommy was giving a wide burst to that UFO unfloating object. I scrunched my legs, tested my grip on the mail. The envelopes were rolled up inside a newspaper like a paper and postage stamp burrito, secured with a rubber band for easy drive-by delivery. The first pier post swept by. I jumped. Bang! My landing sent a shockwave through my knees, but I hit the dock running. The tourists made little squeaks as if vocalizing their excitement would guarantee the success of my mission. My gym shoes would made their own vocalizations on the wet pier. I went in for a sliding stop to the mailbox and whoosh. It is so embarrassing to land on your bum in front of a boat full of people. Gee, did Tommy say something about the pier being wet? The passengers sucked in a collective gasp. I was fine, except for my pride. But every second I sat there, the boat was passing me by. That was the thing. It didn't stop. Not for the male, not for the male girl, not for anyone. It just kept going like like a herd of charging rhinoceros. I scrambled to my feet, ripped open the mailbox, fumbled with incoming and outgoing mail, hoped I got it right, slammed the door shut, flipped the flag down, and sprinted like mad for the boat. It only took me a split second to gauge the length of the pier against the speed of the mailboat. I was screwed. I knew it. The passengers knew it. They groaned like 150 voices wired to one brain. By the frown on his face as he looked back at me, Tommy knew it too. My guts sank. I hated messing up his schedule. I doubled my speed. The pier vibrated beneath my feet. It crashed and splintered behind me like in the adventure movies. Or maybe I just imagined that part. The passengers cheered, waved me on, shouted my name. One guy pointed down at the water. Oh my God, look. I shoved the mail between my teeth to free my hands. On the tip of the pier, I lunged, stretched, reached. The lake was really cold that morning. Chapter two, Tommy. Oh, that girl. The surprise squeak and the splash told me the whole story. If the boat had been closer, she probably would have made it, but I couldn't get any nearer without knowing what that thing was underwater. That thing. I tried to get a look at it as we went by. I wasn't sure. The sun was ducking in and out behind the clouds. The splash would give me a chance to circle back and look again. Ideally, the male jumpers make it all the way around the lake dry, but it's always kind of fun if they don't. As I turned the boat in a wide circle, I looked back over the passengers. Most of them were laughing over Bailey's mishap, their secondary reaction after minor heart arrhythmias all around. One animated young man on the shore side was gesturing to his group of friends. Dude, there was a guy down there, I swear it. Most of the passengers didn't know it yet. 
It was better that way. I wanted to keep them calm as long as possible. I picked up the microphone and thumbed the power switch. My voice filled both decks. Looks like we lost our mail, girl. There's still a couple of deliveries left, so I'm taking volunteers. Laughter filled the boat. Chapter three, Bailey. Clear, bubbly water like I'd been dropped into a glass of lime soda. Only it didn't taste like lime soda. It was in my mouth and up my nose and working its way down into my lungs. My feet were tangled in something, long, slimy weeds with evil little minds full of murder. The more I kicked, the tighter they twisted around my ankles and climbed hand over hand up my legs. One of them felt more like a nylon rope. Seriously? Don't litter. This is how whales die. My blood pounded like a subwoofer from my heart to my fingertips. My head started to turn light and fluffy. A few more seconds and I could be walking on the water on moonless nights. I twisted around, grabbing for the twiny, slimy mess keeping me down, and my hand bumped something soft and swollen. Another hand, floating limply in the water. Chapter four, Tommy. As I circled back, I watched my own wake quietly splash the pier posts and roll on toward the shore. Where was that girl? I've been driving the mailboat close to 50 years, and in all that time, I couldn't remember having a male jumper quite like her. She was athletic, she was good at the job, but you could never tell what she was going to do next. Like stop on a pier to tie her shoe. She made me laugh, and just as often she made me shake my head and wonder what was going on inside hers. I like all the kids who work for the company. I don't have favorites, but I had to admit, Bailey was... No, I wasn't going there. My mind skipped back to another summer like someone had cut a reel of film and spliced in a scene from another movie. Two police officers knocking on my door, bearing news about my son. But not because he died. No, he was very much alive. I suppose I should have been grateful. But sometimes truth is worse than death. The result was the same. I never saw my son again. The passengers were beginning to mutter. It takes about two minutes to turn the boat around. Two minutes. Within three minutes, most people will lose consciousness underwater. Bailey hadn't surfaced yet. I picked up the mic again. Noah, come up here, please. The PA system was the only way to communicate with my crew member working concessions on the aft deck. A white fleck bobbed on the surface of the water near the pier. Outgoing mail. They got away from us every once in a while, but normally I'd see a mail jumper swimming out to rescue it. Not this time. In sight of that forlorn letter, all of a sudden my heart skipped a little harder. Chapter 5. Bailey. Screaming underwater doesn't work so well. All those times my foster dad tells me to keep my mouth shut, this would have been a smart time to do that. Debris really wasn't the right word to describe the object submerged at the end of Markham's Pier. Actually, he probably would have been quite the hunk if he hadn't been all dead and everything. You know, tanned skin, sun-bleached hair, bulging biceps, beached dude in a business suit. But the fact that he was tied to the pier post by his neck, with his head hanging at a weird angle, yeah, he needed to work on his approach if he was trying to pick up chicks. It didn't help things any to realize that the rope tangled around my ankles was the long end of the same rope securing beach hunk to the pier post. It trailed across the bottom of the lake and twisted around a concrete mooring block before reaching up to hold me in its sinister grip. I was tied to a dead guy. 
did my life flash before my eyes? No, thank God. Reliving the past 16 years would have been a fate worse than death. Oddly, the loudest thought in my head at that moment wasn't the dead guy staring at me with bulging eyes and hair rippling in the current like lake weed. No, it was the crushing realization that I was never going to find my real dad. Yeah, I was kidding myself anyway. The rope now claiming my life was a phenomenal metaphor for my whole existence, kicking against a system that never intended to give me a chance. But a kid could dream. And I had dreamed a lot, like my whole life. Someday he was going to come for me, my dad. He wouldn't leave me adrift forever, would he? Yeah, but he had. 16, still in foster care. Life sucks. The moment you realize nobody loves you, it's like totally lame. My wet, bubbly world started going black and staticky around the edges. Entire muscle groups I didn't know I had burned like the morning after the first day of mail jumping. All of a sudden, letting go seemed really easy. What did I have to lose? Not much. No one would even miss me. I'd probably be the only person at my funeral. Just as the lights were blinking out, a dark blue shadow drifted across my underwater sky. The mailboat. Tommy had come back for me. How cool was that? Well, duh, of course he came back, didn't he always? Yeah. Come to think of it, I was statistically more likely than any other mail jumper to miss the boat. But he had never just left me there. Pretty neat. I closed my mouth before any more air bubbles could escape. Right, so the creepiest thing about this guy I was hanging out with in the weed patch, he had a knife. He was kind of holding it out to me like he was saying, hey kid, don't end up like me. I pried the blade out of his hand. He didn't complain. He didn't have a heck of a lot of use for it now anyway. But I don't know. Maybe I did. Oh, better watch your step. Hey, that was Danielle Lincoln Hanna reading a couple of sample chapters. It's a very unique reading from Mailboat One, The End of the Pier. Find the link in the show notes for Danielle and all of her books, uh, her blog and social media links right there in the show notes. Don't forget to also follow the links for our podcast friends, sponsors, and affiliates. And hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out next time when I'm back with a new author, a new book, and an all-new sample chapter. Take care, everybody. Talk to you again real, real soon.